ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio 2.0 podcast, recording in the Vivid Seat Studios. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and as always, Mr. Adam Green on the line. Adam, how you doing, man? Good, good. This was a lot more fun a few weeks ago when Arizona was winning, but at the same time, it's never a dull moment in Tucson, not with Arizona Wildcats athletics. So they're just a streaky program, I guess, right? We saw a little bit of this last year, <laughs> yeah. you know, little streaks here, little streaks there. The, the streaks this year are a little bit more profound, but um, yeah, I guess streaky. So here we are sitting at four and four. Uh, of course, we, we, we will provide our thoughts on the Stanford game. Uh, warning to our listeners who may be sensitive uh, to, to harsh comments, uh, probably a good time now, maybe just to shut it off. Uh, but yeah, we, we will, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely provide some of those thoughts. Um, Adam, before we do though, let's go ahead and take care of a few housekeeping items. Wildcat radio podcast, uh, subscribe for three for free through iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, tune in, et cetera, all podcast catcher, uh, catchers, excuse me, follow the podcast on social media as well. Uh, Wildcat Radio Facebook page. If you're out on the Twitter Twitter sphere, that is at Wildcat Radio AZ. And of course, our website, sharpcollegefootball.com. That is the exclusive home of these podcasts, any written content that comes out, as well as Rob Bowron's uh, beta rank data. Aside from that, there is still time for the Gronk bobblehead raffle. So again, just just to revisit the uh, the, the rules, the terms and conditions here. Um, anytime you share, retweet, or even leave a a, a review on iTunes uh, of the podcast, retweet, like I said, share any podcast that you see. That automatically enters you into the raffle. Uh, if you do write the review, as mentioned on iTunes, you will receive three entries into the raffle. Bryant will be doing a live raffle drawing this upcoming Saturday uh, for homecoming afternoon game. As mentioned, great for Oregon State, which we will also touch on later in the podcast. Um, but yes, we'll be broadcasting that on Periscope, so keep an eye on that. For anybody who has not entered the raffle, please do so. Um, as well as uh, well, one last thing here, I see of course uh, the new addition to wildcat radio saul bookman uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to him saul does have the weekly uh, monday podcast where he regroups recaps any football news basketball news all that good stuff so um checking the notes here i think uh i think that's it i think that's all i got so here it's a lot it's <laughs> a lot there, there's a lot going on always something going on around here so um Adam, let's just go ahead and let's get the uh, the messy part out of the way here first, right? Stanford, of course, they got KJ Costello back, and that's just, you know I'm not going to say they did and, and whine and make excuses, but of course they did. Of course, with Arizona coming to town, we would have to play him. Um, so be it. Uh, and as it turned out, 
I guess that there was some behind the scenes script between, you know, Quill Tate was going to get the first two drives. Um, and then, of course, Grant Gannell was going to come in and then there was going to be this rotation. And I don't know how much of that was an impromptu show versus, you know, what was actually scripted. Um, but I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, and we'll get to this a little bit more in a sec, but I, I was very surprised to see Quill Tate come back in because I really thought that, wow, like that, that, that was it. Um, but, you know, so, so of course, uh, bottom line, Stanford won this game 41. 131 absolute bloodbath for the defense uh, 41 points giving that up on the road you know it, it just it reverted back to what we had seen in the past and of course the news that we're going to touch on here in a moment as well um, it kind of ties into uh, just this absolute reversion from what we've seen from the defense um, Adam 31 points on the road anytime you score 31 points on the road you would think that's a pretty good indication that, that you would get just, you know leave town with the victory wasn't the case um, let's just keep it high level for a couple minutes, Adam. Just high level thoughts on, on this just very disappointing game. Yeah, it was arguably, I think, the most disappointing game of the season. And yeah, you could look back at the Hawaii game week zero and like, oh, this is a chance to set the right tone and the way that one went. But this game, there wasn't one facet of the ball, offense, defense or special teams like you could say played well. And there were players on each side in every area that had good games, but overall as a team, this was as good of a, like as much of a team effort as they put together this season, only it was in a bad way. You know, you want to point to the defense, you absolutely can. They gave up 31 points in the first half and couldn't stop Stanford. You want to point to the offense, well, yeah, they scored 31, but they only scored seven in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, and even special teams, how many long returns did they give up? So just knowing that when Costello was playing, you knew it was a little bit tougher because he's at least a competent quarterback who knows what he's doing. But, geez, that defense made him look good. And he's not that good. And this, overall, this was a winnable game. Even having watched it, Stanford wasn't so much more talented than Arizona was. And we all knew that if they were going to have an easier road to a bowl game, this was a must-win. They're still not out of bowl contention, of course. But for as winnable game as this was against Stanford on the road, to watch Arizona play poorly in pretty much every way they could play poorly, that was very disappointing, and I'm sure a big part of why the changes in the coaching staff were made. But you know, you can't pin it all on the defense, even though the defense was bad. And you can't say it was all the offense because the offense wasn't great either, and especially so just just a bad effort all the way around. Yeah, I mean you can't pin it all on the defense, but I but I think I mean the line share definitely gets go, goes to the defense man i mean that, that that was just really difficult to watch especially when you see things somewhat stabilized in the offensive line uh right congo comes back uh cody creason was out there as well right i mean they got both their guys back uh, i i believe and um it, it just felt like everything was working out uh, well enough offensively mm-hmm. like i said to to leave with the victory uh it just wasn't the case um, you know, yes, the defense somewhat buckled down the second half, as you mentioned, only giving up 10 points, but unfortunately the damage had already been done. Um, and then yes, you know, yeah. of course you, you can point to, you know, the Grand Canal. Yeah. So that whole bit was kind of interesting to me. I had, I, I literally, I was watching Grand Canal, uh, in the second half when, when, when they were moving down the field, no problem. I swear they were in the red zone. And then I stepped out front. It was like second and maybe even second and goal. I remember what it was. I literally stepped away uh, for the next two plays, or maybe it was even just the, the next play. I come back in. I see it was fourth and 35, and they were basically like midfield. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, what just happened? And, and I unfortunately don't have DVR, um, so I wasn't able to go back and see what exactly happened. As I gathered, but there was just a bad fumble. He was lucky to recover it. I A freshman mistake. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it, a freshman mistake, and that's going to happen. It, it happens, I guess. 
get it. Poorly timed. I'm not going to drill him too hard. It's just, I, I guess, more so what I'm getting to is just it ties into this whole luck theme, right? Uh, it was just the luck, of course, facing KJ Costello. He returning looked great, and and I'm not, you know, KJ Costello had a hell of a game. I mean, he was dropping the ball in the bucket many times all over the field. He was making us look silly. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I, whatever, right. Final score, 41, 31, uh, Adam, let's just go ahead and get to the juicy stuff, right? Um, after three straight games, giving up 51, 41, then again, 41 this past week to Stanford, uh, the Marcel Yates tenure as Arizona defensive coordinator finally comes to an end. Some would argue it was well overdue. Um, I, I, I'm probably one of those people. I know that he threw us off the scent a little bit after the Texas Tech and UCLA games, uh, you know, that's great. Very similar story, though, right? Last year, he threw us off the scent a little bit, too. And, of course, it ended up still being that same, uh, just, just the same uh, nonsense. I mean, uh, you know, in in this game, again, it, the dropping eight, like, just, I, I know it didn't happen a lot, but it happened in certain situations where it was like, just get it out of your head. Like, enough with this dropping eight and these soft zones where people are just sitting there. It's like, KJ Costello just lit them up, and it was just so difficult to watch. But, um, uh, yeah, with, without, you know, I guess back backtracking too much here, um, Marcel Yates is out. Adam, where does it go from here with interim with interim defensive coordinator Chuck Cecil, do you have hope or do you feel like things are just going to continue down the same path? That really comes down to, do you think the issue was coaching or is it talent? And and Kevin, someone said his press conference, he doesn't expect the defense to change all that dramatically, right? They're not getting better players. Now, maybe Chuck Cecil, he does have experience. Maybe he's a little bit more aggressive in certain ways, but even against Stanford, even when Arizona was blitzing, they weren't getting home. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, what can you do? Because you're sending that extra rush, you're exposing your secondary, and the secondary had a bad game against Stanford, too. So as much as I want to pile on Marcel Yates, in four years, he had time to get better players in to instill his scheme. So I'm not going to say they shouldn't have fired him. And if you're going to, if you already made the decision, you might as well do it now instead of waiting for the season. I get that. Like, I have no issue with that. But I don't think if, if anyone's expecting Chuck Cecil to come in and all of a sudden turn us into the desert swarm defense. I think they're going to be sorely mistaken because I just don't know what more they could do scheme wise, maybe a few things. And you'll probably hear on Saturday about how they simplified things and this and that. If they look good against Oregon state, it'll be like, all right, the defense is back. And there is some talent there, but for whatever reason, it did not seem like Gates was able to maximize it. And kind of the Stanford game was the straw that broke the camel's back here for Kevin Sumlin. And, I'm looking at the box score, the, the game flow of this one. And it was feel, it felt like that every time Arizona scored, they gave up points. Yeah. So they never, and there were times where the defense got a three and out or got a stop and the offense in the second half, turned the ball over, or ended up hunting. Like they weren't great, but every time in this game, Arizona scored a touchdown or got a field goal, they gave up points on the drive after yep. and you just can't sustain that way. So I, it's almost like they were going to fire Marcel Yates. The question was whether they do it now or wait till the end of the season. But even, Either way, or I guess I think his contract was going to run out at the end of the season anyway. Right, but right. either way, he probably wasn't coming back unless what we saw during that winning streak, especially Texas Tech and UCLA, unless that continued to happen, there was no way Yates was coming back. So at least doing it now, heading into homecoming, everybody loves Chuck Cecil, right? One right. of the Arizona guys. So it kind of, oftentimes, I'll, I'll leave with this, oftentimes when an assistant coach is fired during the season, it feels like they're a scapegoat for some other bigger problem where the head coach is trying to throw them off the sun, like, oh, you know, my, I'm out of, my team's out of control here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a handle on this, but I'm going to fire the guy because that'll fix things. This doesn't feel that way. 
this feels like just it was the if not the right but not the wrong one at a time where you know what if you're going to do it anyway do it now give Cecil a chance to see if he can instill some fire some spark defense and then see what you have the last four games but you know it's it made sense to me especially after that Stanford game I think it makes a lot of sense for multiple reasons, and, and I love the point you made about every time Arizona did something good, it was outdone by Stanford, or or, or I guess basically erased by Stanford. And I think the the, the, the epitome of that was at the end of the second quarter uh, when Jamari Joyner had this beautiful one-handed catch. What a right? catch. Amazing catch. Quill Tate did a great job with that. It was a good throw, too, right? I mean, it was basically really where only he could catch it and the defender wasn't looking. So it was good timing. All of it looked beautiful. Eight plays, 75 yards up the field, just under three minutes right after that you're sitting there thinking like holy cow like how are we in this game like i can't believe we're fighting back 28 24 after that they let them go right down the field 10 plays 60 yards to get a to get a field goal so now yeah i joked with a friend when they scored i'm like well, that's a great touchdown for Arizona, but they left too much time on the clock. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it was true, right? I mean, it took them 134 to get up the field, right? Uh, in 60 plays, 10, uh, 60 yards, 10 plays, mind you, too. I mean, it was just whatever. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I just wanted to further underscore that point you made. <laughs> um, I, I, th- I think my whole thing, too, with Marcel Yates, Yes, his contract was going to end, and yes, he was not going to be back, right? I mean, I think all of that, everyone knew that. What I appreciate about this is how some of the fans and some of the, I guess, just overall within the fan base, uh, there's been a lot of criticism behind Kevin Sumlin and just his apathy, right? Almost like this idea of, like, he really doesn't care, Um and, you know, I, you know, and, and I think it gets bit, we've touched on this many times in this podcast where, you know, we went from Mike Stoops to Rich Rod and seeing that for what, 10 plus years, however long it was on the sideline, you just get used to a certain type of behavior. And I don't even want to call it excitement, but just like hysteria, just crazy behavior from your head coach, just blowing gaskets to this where he's much calmer. It's a complete 180, right? And so a lot of people were questioning, you know, does he even care? And I think that this somewhat helps that maybe a little bit combat that theory um, because, you know, clearly he does, right? Making this change right now um, had to be done, right? And honestly, I was even kind of surprised it happened because I I, I just kind of packed it in thinking like, great, he's going to be our defensive coordinator for the rest of the year, like whatever. And that ended up not being the case. So I, I actually... I applaud the decision because, you know, he didn't have to do it, but I, but I think it's, it's, it's a statement move. Right. And, and I do appreciate him making that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing for someone. I, I think he cares, I do, but I also mm-hmm. think, you know, he he was not saddled with Yates, but at the same time he was the interim coach. Yates was before someone was hired and a lot of players liked him and someone knew him. So it made sense to keep him around for that continuity, but he kind of got to a situation where, I don't know how much heat there is on someone if they don't make a bowl game this season, probably more than you would expect from a senior coach, but at least it puts himself sufficient. Well, we'll see who he can get to be the defensive coordinator. You know, I've read some of the lists of, Oh, maybe this, they could go get this guy or that guy. And we'll see what they can do, what kind of connections someone can have or has and what he can bring in. But if he's going to go down, he's going to want to go down with his guys. And he kept Yates, which made Yates one of his guys. But I'm very interested to see what type of defensive coordinator he can get in, in terms of recruiting, in terms of scheme. Because, again, there's talent on this defense. We went into the season thinking this is the most talented defense they've had in years. You know, whether it's the linebackers who are having pretty good seasons, the defensive backfield has some talent there. We thought the defensive line would be better. And the defensive line, in terms of a pass rush, has been very disappointing. But in situations like that, you'd like to think you have a coach who can scheme their way to something. 
scheme your way to some sacks, scheme your way to some pressure on the quarterback. And for whatever reason, they haven't been able to do that. So yeah, I, if you if you didn't think someone cared, I guess you could argue that this is just him trying to make have a sacrificial lamb that he's like, I don't really care, but I'm going to fire that guy to make people think they care. And I'll go hire the U of A legend and people will be happy with me again. And obviously, if unless the defense improves, it doesn't matter how many Wildcats they have on the staff, people aren't going to be happy. But if nothing else, it does show for the rest of the season that it's an audition for Cecil. Maybe if he wants the full time job, I don't know if he's all up recruiting and things like that. But it's an audition to see what you have, and if you're Kevin Sumlin, it's a chance to say, okay, what does another voice in that room do? What does that do for the morale? What does it do for the scheme? What does it do for that side of the ball? Which, again, the offense wasn't great. It hasn't been great, really, since the Colorado game. It's been pretty bad, actually, since then. But the defense should have been better than it was, and the defense didn't really give, like, and you mentioned they gave up 10 points in the second half against Stanford. That's a good turnaround. But whenever they needed to make a stop, when Arizona scored, couldn't do it. So that's whatever reason, like the, the interesting thing is how do the players react? You know, we saw when the team fired Mike Stoops way back in the day, how they came out as throttled UCLA yeah. uh, the next game. And it was like, Oh, that was fun. <laughs> you know, yeah, for a really bad Arizona team. Right, yeah. And, and, and this isn't, this isn't firing the head coach. This is a defensive coordinator who was apparently popular with that defense. So the question is, where does it go from there? So we'll, we'll find out against Oregon state. It's as soft a landing as you could hope for at home homecoming. You'll kind of add some excitement to that game again. And then of course you have the bye week after to help install any type of scheme. You may want any changes you may want to have, but it's, it's one of those things where it it probably needed to happen. If not before the season, like it, it needed to happen. And that's why I don't think you're going to find too many people. Players, I'm sure, loved Marcel Yates. But you're not going to find anyone who's watched this team, looks at the stats, seen the lack of progression on that side of the ball, and say Marcel Yates deserved another year, let alone four more games. You mentioned homecoming in Oregon State, Adam. Great segue for our Vivid Seats partners here. Thank you. Uh, for anybody, yes, for anybody that is going down uh, to Tucson for the game, uh, be sure to download the Vivid Seats mobile app. Uh, and that'll assist you with any ticket purchases for the big game on Saturday. Big afternoon game, of course. I don't, I don't think I can overstate how awesome that is. Uh, Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Uh, Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Reward loyalty program today. And when when it is time to buy, come Saturday, afternoon kickoff, again, can't overstate it, enter promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout to receive up to a a $100 discount, not a 100% discount, don't, don't quote me on that hundred dollar discount <laughs> a good discount uh, that's right yeah, for for first time users um adam yeah so let, let, let's go ahead and actually then move into the other narrative here which is interesting right and and, and i think kevin sumlin I, I think is very good about uh, somewhat navigating through this three-game losing streak right and, and negative attention there because 
Yes, he fires Marcel Yates and John Rushing, linebackers coach John Rushing. Yes, he now says that, you know, there's not necessarily quarterback controversy, which one could argue against this, but um, he's now saying that he's going to go with the two quarterback rotation because you see it at every level and it seemed somewhat effective on Saturday. I am not a fan of a two quarterback system for multiple reasons. Uh, the, the, the biggest being just like the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. It does not allow the quarterback to settle in. Uh, for some reason though, it was interesting. Khalil Tate uh, really found himself after he got yanked again. We don't know how much, how much that was impromptu or if we just trust, uh, Kevin Sumlin in saying that it was scripted, but he kind of found himself a little bit. I after trust he that. Pulled. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, that that's fine. Um, but I guess we, what do you think of this two quarterback system here? I mean, am I off base or I mean, should, should we trust it? I, I don't necessarily like it because I was hoping that Kalote would come out and be great this season. And he hasn't been, but I do think if Tate wasn't a graduating senior, this wouldn't be happening. And if he was a junior or if he was a sophomore, this isn't happening. But with, with where this team is at, they're not going to win the Pac-12 South and they're trying to make a bowl game. And, it's hard to argue that it's like by a wide margin, Tate gives him a better chance to win the game than Grant Gannell does from what we've seen. Yeah. And I had a feeling that they were planning on playing Gannell the third series of that game because it wasn't really that bad. Two series. He let him on a field goal on the first drive. Second one, he ended up throwing the ball away. I think the one time, I think he made one late throw to the tight end where if he would have got out sooner, would have been better off. But it wasn't like he was playing bad or making really stupid mistakes. And all of a sudden in comes Grant Cannell and leads a touchdown drive. Like, oh, okay, that's neat. But to the extent that, yeah, you don't like to have two different quarterbacks, but guys are so different in their styles where it may, as long as the players are okay with it, and that's where you have to, or do they really look at either one as the leader? Do they have a preference between the two of them? You know, is it just you kind of ride the hot hand? If Khalil Tate comes out and leads two straight touchdown drives, are you going to Gunnell? I would hope not. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it's, it could work, and it probably will only, if it does work, it will because, one, Tate's still getting the first couple series and gets his opportunities, and Gunnell is getting his chances. He'll know that he's getting that work, and he'll be the guy next season. So he's not really stressed about getting all the reps this year. He knows he's going to be the starter next year. But it is an, it's an interesting situation, one that I don't like that they have to go with, but one could argue that at least against Stanford, it worked fine. Now, Gunn had that fumble that took him out of field goal range, and Tate had two interceptions, one where he just slipped and it threw the timing off the throw, and he shouldn't have made the throw at that point. Yeah. But if he doesn't slip, I mean, and the last interception, whatever. You know, it wasn't a great game by either quarterback. They each made mistakes, but we also saw during that game what Isham has to offer. Tate's athleticism was on display. He made some really nice throws, too. I will say, on that touchdown run he had, he looked slower to me. And I don't know if this is because I thought he was so fast two years ago. Yeah. But it seemed like before he used to just run away from people. And in this case, against Stanford, he was just trying to barely outrun them towards the end zone. But I don't know. It's maybe just my mind playing tricks on me. But you saw his athleticism and what he could do when he's playing well. And then we saw Gunnell. He was very accurate in making otherwise good outside of the fumble really good decisions. So it, it might work. At least it only has to work another four games if they do this, right? So, you know, we'll see. Five games. But I, I don't hate it. Okay, well, at least four games, <laughs> guaranteed four games. You know, I don't, I don't hate it, even though generally speaking, I'm not a fan of the two quarterback system. I, you know, I get at this point, um, yeah, I'm really torn on it, and and it's, I, I'm, I'm as. 
I'm not a fan for the reasons I laid out, right? It just doesn't make it, – it doesn't really give anybody time. It, the short leash doesn't give anybody time to really find rhythm in the game. Um, but at the same time, I mean, right, like here you are riding a three-game losing streak. The offense has just been uh, just so dysfunctional uh, really over the last uh, over the last three weeks. Um, I mean, at times, I guess you could say Stanford, right? I mean, you put up 31 points, so I don't know how dysfunctional that actually is, but definitely against USC and Washington, right? I mean, it, it just was not not pretty. Um, at 4-4, four and four, it kind of turns into this situation where, well, you know, at this pace, uh, we're not really making, we're, we're not where we want to be. Um, could it get worse? Uh, and in Kevin Mind Sumlin, or in Kevin, Kevin Sumlin's mind, I guess it's, no, I, I don't think it could get worse, right? So you might as well let Grant Cannell get the reps, uh, let Khalil Tate, you know, maybe just throw throw the defense off, right? Because uh, again, they are so contrasting in styles that it is it is a bit of a a bit of a mind ninja for the defensive coordinators to have to keep up with that. So um, you know, it it's interesting, I guess, is if if you're all out of ways to describe it, it is interesting. And, you know, Oregon State, you know, you can pretty much, you know, we'll get to our predictions and stuff here shortly, but um, you feel pretty good about that. I mean, at home, coming home, snap the three-game losing streak. Um, unfortunately, or at Oregon, we've said all year is not going to be pretty. Uh, Utah is, you know, Utah, it's, it's still feel, you know, whatever. They're, they're choke artists, so at some point, mm-hmm. they will choke again. So I just hope, hopefully it's senior hopefully night. Hopefully game. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's Tucson. It would be a little bit of restitution to the fan base for some of the crap we've endured this year. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm in this situation where I, I just I'm not really sure what to make of it. And unfortunately, right, I don't have a say, so it doesn't really matter what if I what I make of it. But we'll just sit back and watch. I'm not sure what else to think. But I do think if one of the quarterbacks just gets out there, if they do this two quarterback system, like if Tate goes out on Saturday and leads touchdown drives on his first two drives, I have a hard time seeing them going to Gunnell as scripted as that might be. Yeah. You know, if he's just tearing it up and looking sharp as all get up, how do you pull him? And that's the thing. It's almost like you do this to quarterback system until someone really grabs hold of the job. And right now it's Khalil Tate's job because he's the senior, where if you just kind of lined him up right now, camp started today and there was no seniority, there was just who's the best quarterback, there's a case that Gunnell would be the guy. So I think it's up to Tate to make sure he doesn't, make sure whatever plan they might have to get Gunnell in the game doesn't get utilized. You know, because again, he wasn't bad against Stanford to start the game before Gunnell came in. No. Tate was fine. Yeah. But he wasn't dynamic. He wasn't great. But that allowed him to say, you know what, let's throw the change up in there, get the change of pace quarterback and see what he can do. And of course, Gunnell led that drive with a beautiful throw to Johnson it was in really the end nice. zone. Yeah. What a what a throw and great catch. But if nothing else, if you're a U of A fan, depending on how these last four plus games go, you know, obviously you get two wins if you feel good because you're going to get one over Oregon State probably and then at least one over either ASU or a ranked opponent. So it's going to be it'd be a nice six and six if they get there. Yeah. But even if they don't get there, even if some for just if this ends up being the last game Arizona wins, assuming Arizona beats Oregon State, if you see Gunnell play over these last four weeks and he looks pretty good and he has looked pretty good, he looks like he's getting better and better, then if you're an Arizona fan, you have a lot more confidence going into next season. Because before it was like, well, you're going to lose your senior quarterback in Tate. What do you have behind him? Well, then you could say, well, we have this guy who has played X number of snaps, had these stats as a true freshman, who's a really good fit for this offense. And look at these young receivers. I know someone made sure to turn the fresh down uh, that happened on Saturday. So, you know, you hope you win at least two of these next four games. And you'd like to have a fifth game. 
But at least getting Ganeldo's reps and seeing what he can do gives a coaching staff an early look at what he can be for them next season. And lets all the fans and everyone else who's watching and following the program understand that, hey, this team has a quarterback going into next season. And that, even if this season doesn't go as well as anyone was hoping, that would be something you could hang your hat on, the development of some of these young guys. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that those are all very fair points. And, and again, I think it... Right. It just gets back to here we are at four and four. Um, and, you know, the, the goals of a bowl game are still in play, but but that's really it. I mean, and it's going to be a very difficult path to six wins at this point. So. Um, all right, Adam. So let, let's go ahead and shift gears here. We talked about um, Oregon State homecoming Saturday. Believe it or not, Arizona is a six-point favorite. Uh, last I saw, six-point favorite at home. Uh, you know, Oregon State's been playing a little bit better lately. Um what I will say is if you feel good about the Oregon State game, uh, maybe go ahead and bet on it. And it's hard to believe that October is already here, right? College football season heating up. My bookie gives us more reasons to get on, to get in on the action. Not only your point spread in total, but my bookie offers in-game wagering. So track the action and movement as the game takes place. Game props, playoff odds, Heisman odds, national championship odds, etc. And that just scratches the surface. We have teamed up with my bookie this <laughs> October to give you this great offer. Sign up at mybookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposits doubled. The website, once again, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Adam, let's go ahead and actually take one quick break to hear from one more sponsor. All right, Adam. So, yeah, Oregon State, right? Six-point favorites. Um, you know, typically you would feel like, yeah, yeah, that, that that's probably a slam dunk, right? Like, why wouldn't that be? Arizona at home. I know they haven't been looking that great late, but as of late. But, uh, you know, it is still, there's some key pieces, some talent, and it is Oregon State. This isn't necessarily the Oregon State team of the last couple years, uh, especially not as of two years ago. Um, Jake Luton has done a very good job, redshirt senior Jake Luton. Um Lots of good pieces sprinkled around. You know, at times you've seen them. At times you've seen them put it together. Other times it has maybe looked like the uh, the Oregon State of old. Uh, but but Oregon State does enter this game, so they're fresh off a of bye week. They are three, four, two, and two. Um, some notable games for them. They also went to Hawaii. Uh, they lost 31-28, uh, one possession game, right? Uh, they lost at Stanford, 31-28 as well. Uh, so you see a little bit of a similar pattern of looking for some kind of reference point for how these two teams stack up. Uh, they beat UCLA at UCLA, 48-31. Uh, got smoked by Utah. We'll, we'll see what happens with Arizona. Uh, and then, of course, you know they, they recently beat Cal, and Cal is just a complete joke at this point. But um, what do you, how, how do you feel? If you, as an Arizona fan... <laughs> How do you approach this? I mean, what should you be thinking as an Arizona fan going into Saturday? Oh, that if Arizona can't play well in this game, then the season is an absolute waste of time, <laughs> you know, in terms of wins and losses, because it, Oregon State's better than they have been, sure, but they're not a great football team. They're not even a good football team, and this is a road game. You know, like, and granted, they went on the road and beat Cal, but you mentioned how bad Cal has looked. But yeah, I mean, common opponent, they've looked better in their losses to the teams that Arizona's lost to, and they look in their win against UCLA than Arizona did. But I look at them as a team that, like Jonathan Smith's doing a 
pretty good job in his second year, but he has the advantage of zero expectations. Right. Uh, coming in, it's like he took over a bowl team like Kevin Sumlin did with all that pressure to get to the next level. He's just Smith is just trying to get into respectability, and they've been competitive. And you mentioned Luton. He's been really good running that offense and doing what they need from him. But no, I think this is the type of game that, I mean, never mind that Arizona needs to win this one if they want to have any chance at a bowl game this season. But this is a type of game that Arizona absolutely should win and fairly comfortably. It's at home. It's homecoming. They're doing the Desert Swarm jerseys. They're going to have, and this is where I was you know, mentioned earlier about how does the Deets react to the new defensive coordinator. I'm curious because if they come out fired up, there's enough talent on that defense to make Oregon State look really bad. Mm-hmm to get after them, to get some turnovers. And the offense, of course, Oregon State's defense isn't any good. So the offense should be able to score some points in this one. So, no, I, I, I want to be nervous because Arizona's lost three straight games and not really looked good in any one of them. But at the same time, Oregon State, I would hope, and I have to believe, isn't even on Arizona's level just yet. They might be a year away, and they have some pieces where if Arizona plays bad, it could be close. Arizona could lose the game. But I have to believe that the Wildcats are... Yeah, I don't think the Wildcats are a bad football team. I just think they have played bad recently. But I have to think, I have to believe that the Wildcats are still a step above Oregon State, and therefore if they come out and play just a decent game, we'll win. I think that's fair. Um, I, I definitely, I mean, don't overlook Oregon State because if you overlook them, they they have enough pieces, I think, to really make you pay for that. And by no means, of course, riding this three-game losing streak uh, is Arizona in a position to overlook anyone. Um, but but just just to walk through some of uh, some key pieces on offense, uh, of course, as mentioned, redshirt senior Jake Luton um, completing fifty nine percent of his passes, uh, having a career year. Frankly, I mean, he's going to he 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 will likely get to 2,000 yards passing on the season. He's just a tick over 1,600 right I now. I get there on Saturday. Oh, God, Adam, if that happens, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to watch another game. But uh, anyway, his uh, touchdown to interception ratio, 16 to 1. Very impressive. He has only thrown one interception mm-hmm. on the year, 16 touchdowns. Very good. You know, in, in the backfield, uh, Artavis Pierce is is the name to watch. He's been getting the most action. Uh, you know, Jamar Jefferson uh, was was you know that that uh, that 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 hot freshman last year that came on really did a great job trying to turn things around for Oregon State. Um, so you know, Jamar Jefferson kind of he he's obviously still involved, a little nicked up as, as I've read here and there. But uh, Artavis Pierce has just been the guy, uh, and he is having a fantastic year, averaging six yards a carry. Uh, he's 583 yards on nine 97 touches. He's found the end zone five times. Um, you know, beyond that, Adam, as far as the receiving core is concerned, Isaiah Hodge, Hodgins is has just been f- tremendous. Uh, he he, by far and away, the most uh, the most appreciated target by Jake Luton, I would say. Right, um, has fifty six six four. He should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a stud. He has fifty six receptions. 56 receptions. The next closest guy, Noah Togia, and we recognize that name from last year. And I think he was even there three years ago. But um, Isaiah Hodgins, 56 receptions. Next closest, 21. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, right? And then Jake Luton's doing everything he should, right? Uh, beyond the 56 receptions, 745 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, this guy is just having a year. I mean, there are other pieces, too. Of course, you know, uh, Champ Fleming's Colby Taylor, as mentioned. Uh, Noe, uh, excuse me, Noah Totogi. Uh, all of that is fine. Um, it just, Adam, looking at l- looking at this and, and having watched very little bit of uh, very little bit of Oregon State this year, um, 
it just feels pretty simple, right? They have two key pieces on offense, Artavis Pierce and Isaiah Hodgins. And if you are able to focus in on them and limit them, you got to feel good about Arizona's chances because, uh, and we'll, we'll flip to the defensive side of the ball here shortly or momentarily rather, but, um, you got to feel good if, if Arizona's defense can take care of those two pieces, you got to trust that Quill Tate slash Grant Canell, they're going to put up some points at home. Yeah. And uh, that's what it comes down to almost where it's like, this is a game where the defense probably doesn't have to play out of its mind because there's so few guys on Oregon state that at least we've seen can really burn you, mm-hmm. but it's just the, on the offense then to one, do their job, score points, put some drives together, but also not turn the ball over, not put the defense in bad spots to where you can give Oregon state some easy points, some short fields because yeah, Arizona is a more talented team. They're more diverse. You know, they don't have any one receiver who's putting up those types of numbers. And even J.J. Taylor doesn't have the same numbers either. Yet you can tell watching them and looking at their offenses, Arizona has a better offense, a more diverse one, one where I guess I'd rather have a receiver like Hodgins, you know, a go-to receiver. I think Arizona's missing that. But at the same time, they have enough guys who can do some damage, who can hurt you if you let them. So certainly in terms of, again, this goes back to maybe this is why the change was made at Team Trader now. Outside of doing it during the bye week, if you're going to have a game, at least the rest of the season, this is the one that you'd want Chuck Cecil preparing for for his first as a defensive coordinator. Should be a softer landing for him. And I say should be because, again, Arizona's only a six-point favorite right now as we record on Monday, and that could change. You know, I don't know if they have a senior quarterback coming back from an injury, another one, or you know, if, he, if they got anyone coming back, too, that will uh, you know, miss a few games and make them better for Saturday, but... This is a game that people aren't so supremely confident in Arizona to have them double-digit favorites. It's less than a touchdown there at home for homecoming. So people believe in Arizona, but I think it's hesitantly, and that makes sense. But no, nah, like looking at them, it's, it's hard to look at their roster and what they've done and be like frightened about anything. But there are guys who can hurt you if you don't game plan well or if you make mistakes. Yeah, totally. And then uh, fl- flipping to the defensive side of the ball, right? You, you they, they do have a strong linebacking core, so I'll definitely give them that. Uh, Avery Roberts and Hamilcar uh, Rashad Jr., the, the two of them, uh, they are actually they're, they're tied for the team lead, 43 total tackles apiece. Um, Rashad, uh, he has nine sacks on the season. I mean, this guy has just been an absolute Don't beast. the Wildcats have nine sacks as a team? Uh, I would believe you if you said that the Wildcats <laughs> had three sacks as a team. That's how absent the, the pass rush has <laughs> Pretty been. Pretty sure so. I read they have, that they have nine. Well, so Rashad has as many sacks as the entire Wildcats team. Yeah, that's not good. Um, you know, so one one thing nope, that, to great. their credit, if you are looking for more reference points, points of comparison between the two would be Oregon State as a team has 21 sacks, right? So they have been... Oh, Arizona so only has seven sacks. I apologize seven sacks for the Wildcats this season. Great. Well, hopefully Rashad uh, is going to graduate soon and he could grad transfer for us and give us a little spark or something. I I, I don't know. Um, But they get him now. Yeah. Right. Can you just, when you show up, we'll just give you a Jersey. Does that work? Just sit in our locker room. Um, Strong linebacking core defensively in the secondary too. I mean, the, the a couple other names to note, um, Sean Wilson is, is, is a safety. I mean, he's a senior safety. I believe he's, he's been all over the field. He's been uh, really somebody that the defense is, is, is relied on as well. Not necessarily in the passing game, more so up in the ball, 29 total tackles, uh, really just a physical guy. Um, as far as, 
as far as defending the pass is concerned. Um, Jaden Grant uh, is actually listed as their nickelback, um, but he leads the team, uh, or excuse me, he's tied for the team lead in interceptions uh with 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 just one so the one what's kind of tough he and sean wilson each have one uh and then Noshin Wright, uh another guy has the third so if if there is something to feel about you know nitpicking right you're looking at these stats trying to sift through what to make of this um seems like they're pretty strong up in the box or maybe even against you know uh, as a pass rushing team but if the pass rush doesn't get there these guys aren't necessarily ball hawks, and, and they're not making the offense pay, right? So um, interesting to see how this turns out, right? Because you've seen Arizona in the ability to air it out, right? And Noel Mazzoni, you know, we haven't really touched on him lately. Um, but, of course, you know, with the way the defense has been playing, that's that's a good thing, right? I mean, Noel Mazzoni's been doing his job as far as I'm concerned. So really nothing to nitpick there. Uh, but, but I think that, obviously you expect to see Noel Mazzoni continue down this pattern of exploiting weaknesses, doing a good job with that. And and I'm really interested to see how he attacks the secondary who maybe hasn't necessarily um, done the best right against the pass. Isaiah Dunn, another guy, a cornerback, he, he has five passes defended um, very easily. You know, I, I, I don't know, very easily could just be a product of, you know, the other guys are better lockdown guys and, and Isaiah Dunn's getting picked on, right. And someone making them pay for it, but no interceptions to show. So, um, um, not not overly d- six points to me. I, I feel like as Adam, as we approach, and we'll, we'll get to the predictions here in a sec. Um, but as we approach Saturday, I do expect that to move more towards Arizona. I don't expect it to be double. Digits. I hope so. I don't expect it to be double digits just because Arizona's really done nothing to make you think that they should be double digit favorites against really anybody you know outside of Rutgers maybe at home, but. Um, and especially the way that Oregon State has been on this upward trajectory, even you, know, you touch on a little bit last year, there was some there was some encouraging pieces. You know, this year there there are some more encouraging pieces, right? Um, but I, I, I guess um, I feel good about it. I mean, Adam, do you just want to jump into the predictions here? Well, yeah, we can. Part of the reason I feel good too, though, in this game is you looked at you're going over the players that Oregon State has and. Their defense, though, they give up nearly 200 yards of rushing, you know, a game, 200 rushing yards a game. Like, you can run them. And if Arizona, there's one thing we know about the Wildcats is that if they can run the ball, and when they're right, they run the ball, that's how they win. So this may not be a type of game where Arizona has to challenge that non-ball hawking secondary if they can just establish the line of scrimmage and get J.J. Taylor going, get Wiley going, get Dan Smith, get Brightwell going, even Tate on some of those runs then this is a type of thing that Arizona could look good in offensively because they won't have to do a ton through the air. But no, I think we're in a good spot for this one for predictions. I think we might be right for the first time in a little while. And, and you know, Adam, too, I think one more thing to piggyback and then we'll jump to it. You know, I think if, if you look at some of these offenses, right, like uh, Arizona's offense is spotty, right? I mean, we've touched on it even in this podcast, but, but if you look at some of the, and obviously a team can evolve after nine weeks, I get that. But if you look at just week one for, uh, for Oregon State, when they played Oklahoma State, they hosted Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State hung 52 on them, and that game was actually pretty close in the first half, and then they just completely fell apart. Uh, Hawaii put up 31 points on them. Of course, that was over uh, on the island. But as far as, you know, those who are concerned, you know, there are some similarities between those two offenses, Oklahoma State and Hawaii, with what 
what we should likely see from Noel Mazzoni on Saturday. And you got to feel good about the idea that, you know, they have been able to put up, or I guess Oregon State has allowed some of these big numbers to happen, right? I don't necessarily want to put us in the same boat as Utah, the 58, excuse me, 52 points that you. Utah put up they're a little bit different but also they're they're pretty balanced too I mean when Zach Moss gets going and it opens up things for Tyler Huntley uh, you know they have some key pieces in the receiving core as well that can be very interesting and uh, last thing too yeah yeah how, sure how 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 awesome is it to see J.J. Taylor back in there and and just about as healthy as you imagine he's going to be I mean he is such an asset to the offense Oh yeah, he, he's such a joy to watch, and I don't know if this is the last we'll see it. Like this is his last season in Arizona, or where he goes from here if he goes to the draft. I know there's been some. I read some reports that he might be looking at a grad transfer or something. But whatever it is, like JJ Taylor is one of those guys where he's probably not going to be at the top of the statistics, the leaderboards for Arizona. But anyone who got to watch him play and wear the colors down in Tucson is going to appreciate what he did for them because he's not the big guy, and yet he plays. I mean, the cliche he plays bigger than his size. And the last couple of games, especially against Stanford, too, he was running hard. And he was he was a guy where, and I said earlier when we started, that it was a team effort of just people playing bad. But there were some other uh, teams were bad, but there were some guys who had good games. J.J. Taylor had a good game. Mm-hmm. And he always seems to have good games because he's a good football player. Yeah, he, he's been so great to have back. And, and even against you know Stanford, and Stanford did, you know, they, they did enough defensively, obviously, to... to to set themselves up for success in that game. But, um, you know, there's just so many just hard runs. He's so difficult to bring down to. I think, you know, there was, there was a little dump pass, like just a little check down that JJ Taylor turned into like a 13 yard gain, spun out like twice and broke like three tackles along the way. He's just yeah. so much fun to watch, but all right, Adam, yeah, let, let's get to it here. So as for predictions, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first here. Um, and I think we'll, all probably, right. I think we'll probably be pretty aligned on this, but, uh, I don't see Arizona losing this game. And, and honestly, too, as far as, you know, Marcy Yates is concerned and John Rushing, seeing those two guys finally done with the program, I, I think that, you know, Yes, Marcel Yates was liked in the locker room, but I think that there is also uh, enough. Uh, I would hope that there's enough sense among those players that you know what, enough is enough. You got to turn this thing around because you know what, the reason you were losing, the reason that you are not having the best season that you can have, is largely in part due to what this, yeah, as far as the defensive scheme is concerned. Uh, so I think. I do. I do feel that this will be a certain situation. You can go way or the other. Um, I feel that this will galvanize the defense, and, and I do feel that you will. Uh, there, there should be an impressive showing, and I do believe there will be an impressive showing. As far as the scores concerned, um, you know, I, I it's it's tough to tell because it's really I, I need want to see more of this uh, how this balance between Tate and Gannell is going to go. Um, but I mean, if it's anything like what we saw last week, where it is very Tate heavy. Uh, with certain relief appearances from Gunnell just to give the defense a different look. Um, I got to imagine something, you know, in, in, in the range of yeah, I, I'd be 38 or more points to call it, it's called like 38, 24, 38, 21, something like that. But I do believe Arizona wins pretty convincingly. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat. And I think that the offense is going to look good and the defense will probably get some turnovers in this game. There will be some level of fired upness. And, of course, if you're Oregon State preparing for this game, you know, you spent, they had the week off, but they spent a week maybe preparing for Arizona as they were. They don't know what to expect out of this defense. So, you know, I, I, do, I would imagine the defense comes out there and 
the one thing you worry about is if they fire the coach, the players say, see, we're not the problem. It's the coach. Sure. You know, and in reality, there needs to be some soul searching there too. But I agree that the offense, I think, will go out there and have itself a good day. Arizona will be able to run the ball very well, and the pat that'll open up the passing game for each quarterback. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if this is a Khalil Tate good game. Where yeah. <laughs> you look at the box and you're like, wow, he had a he had a nice game. And whether Gunnell plays a lot, plays a little, whatever it is, I think the offense is going to score some points. And I do think the defense is going to get a turnover or two that allows this game to. I don't want to say get out of hand. It's not going to be a blowout in like a 55 to seven type of game. But I was thinking we were t- when you were talking, I was trying to think a number in my head and I had like 45 to 28, 45 to 31 in that range yeah. where I think it's comfortable. And I, and I don't think the defense is good enough to shut them out or hold them to seven or 10 points because there are some good players on that offense. But I do think the defense will be good enough to get those turnovers, a couple stops and the offense will have a good day. So you know, and then, of course, at that point, if Arizona does what we think and they look good in this game, then the mood changes. But, of course, then you get the bye week and then, well, two ranked teams and then ASU who finally dropped the top 25. Ugh. But, yeah, that's, this is why we all knew this. And that's the funny thing. As we've looked at this season, we knew the first part of the season was so important for them because of what the last part of the season looked like. Yeah. And, unfortunately, they've gotten these three games and they haven't won any of them. Mm-hmm. And you thought maybe with the injuries USC had, that could be one they'd steal. They looked bad. You thought the Washington game, like, hey, it's at home. You got momentum. You can steal that one. They looked bad in the second half. And, of course, Stanford, they looked bad all the way around. So disappointing, yet also not surprising that they're 4-4 four and four at this point. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, at 4-4, four and four, they did not put themselves in an easy position to get to six or seven wins the rest of the season. I but agree it starts with, you. with one. Yeah, it starts with one. I mean, yes, there are still four regular season games, right? And the magic number at this point is six. So um, don't care how you do it, although it would be really nice to get this one and the last one. If that's how you got to it, that's fine by me. But uh, Yeah, I'd be okay with that. All right, everyone. Well, um, thanks for listening this week. If you're going down to Tucson, definitely enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Uh, and hopefully when uh, when this game, when this game is re- recapped, uh, either next week or the following, uh, of course, in the bye week. But uh, either way, hopefully, hopefully we're sitting here. The, and the losing streak will have been snapped. So until then, bear down.